be with a young man who's probably one of the premier photographers in the world. Um, his name is John Lopez. Well, John, we have to do the customary handshake. <laughs> thank you, thank you for stopping by the Mecca Podcast. Um, we'll jump right into it. I know that you're one of the world famous photographers in the world. What made you get into photography? Man, photography for me is a one mode or medium of communication. It's mm-hmm. always been important to me to, to be able to tell a story. Uh, these basketball stories that are all around us all the time. So I've been doing storytelling from the grassroots level all the way up to the Olympics. It's mm-hmm. been a real honor and a privilege to be able to do that. My mom was the kind of the centerpiece of the family. She had all the photo albums in mm-hmm. the family. So the ones like on the table. Yeah, she had <laughs> disposable cameras. Uh-huh. Perhaps not the greatest photographer, uh-huh. you know, but she always had disposable cameras, the Polaroids back uh-huh. in the day. Um, so like we would go to you know all the family gatherings and everything. We would we would spot to have our photos. So okay. that kind of stuck in the back of my mind. For me, my, my dream was to play in the NBA. Right, everyone. Right. So, like, I'm up in the morning early, I'm working on my game all the time. And, you know, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. From the bas- from basketball, like, I could say, honestly, like, I'll be conservative, but I'll say, like, 85% of my core values come from the game. They right. just transcend the game into real life. Right, right. You know, so it's, it's the same thing. I use that same work ethic when right. I'm thinking about making my photos. You know, so I knew, like, I. I went to Norman Thomas High School mm-hmm. at the time when Lewis Flores was there, mm-hmm. so Johnson, Jonathan Oliver, four guys uh, who were now there for the McDonald's All-American. Right. Really good. The only reason I got a shot was because A, I was on the practice team, and B, I knew that three of them were failing off the team. Right. <laughs> so I had no January. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, I still, like, my favorite part of that was never like playing in the game. I just wanted to be in practice. Uh-huh. So we had like, the deepest roster I'd ever been a part of. Uh-huh. And anyway, just learning from that, like we had to go to practice at six in the morning, so we had practice again after school. And so just trying to transcend it from there into photography, like I'm not traditionally trained as a photographer. Right, right. Like, you did it on your own. Yeah, I, went, I got the opportunity, I played for the boys of New York's academic basketball basketball program. Uh-huh. We played against different independent boarding schools across the Northeast mostly. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even notice at the time I was on a team, but I was like being considered as a candidate to go to one of these schools. I was just there because I thought it was the best basketball team I could be a part of. Right. And anyway, I ended up getting the opportunity to go to one of these schools and I had to repeat. Like now it's reclassified. Right. I repeated my junior year. What school? What did Millbrook you? School. Yep, yep. Tiny school. Yep. It wasn't like a particularly strong basketball program or nothing like that. In fact, Norman Thomas' basketball program was way stronger, but I didn't know that at right. the time. Like, oh, in my mind, like prep school, McDonald's game, yep. 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 That's <laughs> There we go. Way. That's what I was thinking. So anyway, um, from there, I had this extra year of high school, so now I had you know room in my class schedule. Mm-hmm. So my senior year, was you know, my lab, my second senior year, I guess, I uh, I decided to take a photography class, introductory class, uh, in a dark room. And you know, my grandmother had gotten me this camera. Like a real dark room? Yeah, like, yeah, like shaking it out. Film, working really? with chemicals, yeah. And it was so funny, I wasn't like heavy into photography again, like I was delusional. I thought mm-hmm. I was going through the mix, right? That camera, you wouldn't get that shit. Right. But when I was in the dark room, like you have to pay attention. Every single thing matters. Any mistake you make, and your whole roll of film is mm-hmm. finished, right? So you gotta make sure you're in complete darkness when you're taking the film out and putting it in the canister. Mm-hmm. You gotta put exactly the right amount of chemical mm-hmm. to shoot them up, and blah, blah, blah. So, and then, like, when you're printing it, like, it's a, it's a long process. So if you make a mistake along the way, you might not know to the end. It's like, oh, you gotta start all the way from scratch. Right. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah. So it gets frustrating. But going through that process reminded me of being an ambassador for it. You know, like, being a hooper, you know, like, when I was upset, when I was. Just sad, disappointed, happy. And for every emotion, I was on the court. Right, you know right, right. That's, that's, your sanctuary. Sanctuary. that's your sanctuary. Exactly. Right. So being on the court, like being in a dark room for the first time, gave me a similar kind of feeling of solace. And I never forgot that. I, I sucked. I was terrible. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I learned the process, and it was so amazing. And it really helped me to focus and take my time in a way that I would when I was getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning to be a practice. Right, right, right. right. Game, uh, so that I could get the things that I wanted. Um, and that never left me. When I went to college, I, uh, I I didn't take any photography classes in college either because there was a drawing and painting prerequisite, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and I sucked at drawing mm-hmm. painting. So I was like, I'm not going to get this D on my report card uh-huh. or my GPA uh, to do this. So uh, I didn't do it. But what I did do in college, like I was very active outside of the classroom, and so uh, student government stuff. That's the government. Almost everything else busted. I was busting. I was part of all the cultural groups, so the Latin American Student Organization, the Brothers Organization. Um, 
there was a group we had called We Fund, and We Fund was like to bring alternative uh, forms of entertainment to the right. campus, which right. meant like black, black entertainment right. right. <laughs> 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 to the campus. So I became the president of that organization. So like, we're doing, we're having parties. I'm DJing the parties, we're having fashion shows and other events and everything. That's how I ended up teaching myself Photoshop. Mm -hmm. So I do all my homework every the day. I'm pulling it all night trying to figure out well, how it's real. Photoshop. Right? The learning curve is steep. <laughs> it's so steep, you know. Um, in hindsight, I'm so glad that I did that. I was terrible. Uh -huh. like, it, it would take me like five hours to do something that today I could probably do in two minutes. Uh -huh. <laughs> I but I was learning. You know, right. I, I was learning, and that really helped me to kind of you know push myself and know that like, this isn't easy. But I'm, I'm a fan. And I wasn't editing, even back then, I wasn't editing photos per se. I was mm -hmm. just, I was making posters for my parties. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, fast forward after that, after college, I worked at the Boys Club in New York. I went back to the school mentor after I graduated just mm -hmm. to say hello. Mm -hmm. um, my idea was I, I'm not going to the league. Right. I, I had gone. I when, when did that click in? The league was not an option. When I got cut, man. So I, I had a little bit of hubris. <laughs> I had a little bit of hubris because I was recruited by some Division One schools, mm -hmm. low major. Mm -hmm. you know, UNH, mm -hmm. and I wasn't recruited. I ended up going to Colgate University. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't recruited, but I knew that UNH was much bigger than Colgate. So I figured, oh, well, I'm going to Colgate, I'll get the academics, and I'll obviously make the team of being recruited by bigger, better schools than Colgate. Right? <laughs> it's not the way that works. I didn't contact the coach ahead of time. Like, like, yeah. None of that. Yeah, yeah, I just showed up like, what's good? What's my uniform? You don't baby. So, I mean, I did work hard to try to make the team. I took it very seriously, and it, it broke my heart when mm -hmm. I got It was, like, so painful. But I still felt like I had a lot to contribute to the game. Mm -hmm. and I, was, you know, I had a little, you know, I'm from New York, and I had a lot of confidence. Like, right. Just because I didn't make the team didn't mean I wasn't in the top five in the school. <laughs> I still felt like I was one of the best players in the school. Mm -hmm. So I kept trying. I, you know, they gave me, like, some small opportunities here and there. And, I, you know, my freshman year was also Carmelo Anthony's freshman year. So I got to ride the bench eventually before mm -hmm. we played against Syracuse that mm -hmm. year. Uh, which was kind of cool, like to figure out 15 years later, 10 years later now, like I was doing a lot of work with Jordan Van and Carmelo Anthony. That's crazy. Um, which is kind of cool to laugh about that with him. Uh, but yeah, so I did that, that didn't work out. Then I studied abroad. I did a semester in London, and I was like, I couldn't not play basketball. So I was like eagerly trying to find courts in London. When uh -huh. I was out there, I found this one. I said, yeah, some young cats moving there. And then from there, I found out about Brixton. And I went to Brixton, it was like, yo, y'all come through this good run over there, we got a team. That's like the hood of, uh, of, of uh, London. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I go over there and there's this legendary coach, uh, Jimmy, who coached me all day when he played for the Brixton Tomcats. Uh -huh. And so I didn't know this, but it was like, it was, these were like tryouts. And I was just like hooping, like pickup. And then like I made this team. Yeah, what? It's crazy. Yeah. So I'm out there and I made this like semi pro team. I didn't get paid or anything like yeah. that. But it was great to occupy my time. It was like a structured basketball environment. And I loved it. Like, I got to travel around England. That's fine. Uh, with the team, just a hoop, you know, so that was really fun. It was, it, it was very short, short-lived, mm -hmm. um, but it was dope to be able to have that. But still, that was like, right, I'm definitely not going to the league. Mm -hmm. um, so I wanted to make a lot of money, though, but I'm like, right, well, if I'm not going to go to the league, I still wasn't thinking, like, what else can I do? Right, <laughs> I was right. thinking, like, right, no I, plan I, B. I, I, come from, I come from a family where, like, we grew up on welfare, right. a parent household, two younger siblings. You know, it was a struggle. The Lower East Side was different back then. I love the pre-gentrified Lower East Side. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it's a I, I, was, I played in the pre-gentrified. I was carrying my stuff in the pool. Yes. <laughs> back here all the time. <laughs> so, anyway, um, after that, so I go back to the boys club where I grew up. You know, mm -hmm. I've been in that organization since I was six years old. And I go to have my mentor, who's my basketball coach. But by this time, I told my graduate from college, he had become the uh, exact executive director of the organization. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting there having a casual conversation and you know, meanwhile back when I'm thinking about trying to get into like investment banking or something so I can try to get my family out of the hood. Mm -hmm. And he offers me a job at a nonprofit organization, which is the opposite of what yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I couldn't tell him no, it was like a guy who kinda of like filled the board, it was like my father figure right with the whole organization. So mm -hmm. I said yes, I take a job in the boys club, which I love. I always had intentions of always going back to the boys club and volunteering to the coach and do all of those things. But anyway, while I was there, um, I learned a ton. I got some impacts on the programs. I volunteered coaching the academic all-star program mm -hmm. I played for, which mm -hmm. was a great lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But uh, we started this run. Um, 
man, Manny Maldonado. Be, you know, I know Manny, yeah. <laughs> I know Manny. So Manny has started this run, the Kikoda Before the Love Run on Thursday nights. It was like an industry influencer kind of run. Uh-huh. And like, you know, Paul remembers Bobby Garcia. Yeah. 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 Haddock was in this yeah. run. All these guys used to come in. Nike guys and stuff like a kind of an extension of the NRF. Yeah, I remember that. That came. That was in the LES also, right? Yeah, right. Park. Uh, it wasn't a, a league though. It was just a pick up, pick up right. game. So every Thursday night. So anyway, I worked at the boys' club and they invited me every Thursday night. It was fifteen cats. You know, it was. I was still pretty competitive. It was like soon after college, I was mm-hmm. this year, really hooping, and it was a lot of fun. But basically, just all like you know, all of us were past our primes. Right, like, right. Nobody was believe it. Everybody thought they were so nice. Uh-huh. So on Friday mornings, I used to write this email talking trash to everybody about how bad all of us were. Myself included, but usually myself the least. Right? Right. I was the least bad. Of course, man. Y'all was bad. Me too. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I had to knock top 10. You know? So it, it became like a thing. So guys used to be kind of at like 6 in the morning, like, yo, don't forget you tried to airball last night. Right, right, right. Like, make sure you mention that in there. Um, and I didn't know at the time that Bobito Garcia was the editor in chief of uh-huh. Bounce Magazine. Bounce, right. So, <laughs> from my email, I was talking trash, and I was like, yo, your emails are kind of funny. Would you be interested in writing for Bounce Magazine? I was like, oh, wow. I was an English major uh-huh. in college. I was like, oh, yeah, I would love to do that, you know? And I was already playing in some of the leagues in the city. So, I would go to the leagues then, and I, if I played, I would play my game, and I would stick around for the next one and write about it, or I would just go to the other parts and talk to the But I noticed that there weren't a lot of photos going on my stairs. So I started looking around, and it was going like this. I started getting my own camera to the parks. So I started bringing my own camera to the parks and to, to just accompany my story. And then, you know, I was like, I love this way more than writing. You know, and so I kept, I kept doing both as long as Bounce was around. Bounce right. magazines, you know, is now the fun. It did Bounce. <laughs> I miss Bounce. It used to be in front of every street corner, like a mailbox, or yeah. right there. Right there, you just take one and just keep it. It's super talented people. So like in hindsight, I didn't I didn't leverage my network perhaps as I should have back then, but like in hindsight, there was nothing but heavy hitters in there. You know what I mean? Heavy hitters now. Like yeah. you mentioned three. You said just you know you said Paul. Oh, just, yeah. Justin probably and Justin, Justin Paul, Bob. Um, yeah, Bobito, then uh, Stanley Dumax. Stanley yeah, yeah. Shot, he was shooting. Yeah, he, he was shot a couple of covers for that. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, there were so many others though, like, you know, my man Lower East Scribe, Terrence Swatsky, yep, 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 yep. another Lower East Side brother. Um, but like, it, it was just it was just crazy. So anyway, I started doing that and then, like, that's how my photos started becoming more popular. And then right. finally in 2008 or 2009, Sean Couch, I think yep, that's yep, it, yep, 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 legend. He was, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Sean Couch was nice at Columbia. This is, this is what I heard. He was nice. He, I mean, he got drafted. Yeah. But I mean, this one drafted like 16 rounds. <laughs> it's like 30 rounds. But he was nice. He was, he was really, really good. All right, so this, this is the word I get. <laughs> so, anyway, I'm up at Dyke, and I, I, I was like floating around all the courts, tri states, like all of them. And then I took the lightning, and Joe Pope was like, became mm-hmm. my guy. I was going to watch and see Joe Pope, and then Joe Pope started doing Dyke more and more, so I was going to Dyke more and more. And uh, I noticed that the park was getting really packed for all the bigger games, mm-hmm. and I knew that the championship game was going to be especially crazy. Mm-hmm. So Sean Couch gave me the idea, he's like, yo, you should try to get like an aerial shot, you know what I'm saying, see if you can get up high. It's a train right there. It's a train, yep. even higher than a train. So I'm like, that's a great idea, I'm gonna try. You know, uh-huh. I can't see, see what happens. So championship comes and the park is crazy. Who was the champion, remember? Probably, remember the Republic? No, I mean, uh, 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 All-Stars versus Team Harlem. Uh, it was Harlem, uh, it might have been just Team Harlem, but it was uh, Kendall Prophet. Uh, who was on their team? Um, they called him they, they, Mr. 94 Feet wasn't his official nickname, but he was he was a defender. He called yeah. everybody 94 Feet the whole time. Hold on, so you mean to tell me indictment? Dominican power didn't make it. Dominican power didn't make it? Not that yet. But <laughs> Strick Strick was there? Yeah, Strick was there. No, wasn't there. Bingo's all yeah, I know. Bingo's All Stars was powerful. Bingo's All Stars had Kemba Walker, who was in Rice High School. Was the they had Ann Glover, yeah. Mike Glover. They had uh, Gary Irving. Gary Irving. <laughs> so it was pop. Yeah, okay, all right. That's legit. Okay, that's legit. For real. That's legit. I think uh, Sat might have been on that team too. Like, they were stacked. Okay, got it. All right. They're pretty good. Uh, the Harlem Squad had a crew too, but they were like more like just a little bit more raw. They didn't right. have like all the names in right. there, but they really came to play every single Like, no word you got him? Let's go. Exactly. Let's go. Uh, so, anyway, it was a good And um, the park was crazy. People couldn't get in. We sitting in the trees and all right. that. So I saw a little kid and I'm like, yo, Shorty, can you help me get into this building? Mm-hmm. And so he 
got me in. I took the elevator to the top floor, went up on the roof. What building? Okay, behind train. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, 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 yep. Um, and so like I was up there by myself on the roof, and I see this action. It was like this like magical thing. I'm like yo, this is this, this is, is this is this is the culture. This is this is like the culture of basketball right here. Um, and I was snapping away, snapping away, and then like the next day it was on my blog on Bounce Magazine. Mm-hmm. The next the subsequent issue of Bounce Magazine publishes the double truck image and a centerfold. Oh, so you opened up as there. Yeah. That picture became like iconic for streetball throughout the world. It's just like, for those that don't know, it's like an area view of you just looking down. It's like a big circle around the basketball court. That that became like like oh, New York is popping. Yeah. That that's when it took you off. I think so. I think so. After that, like Nike reached out to me to license that photo, uh-huh. and I started getting a lot more work. And again, like that was kind of like the blessing of this network. I was kind of like a part of, but didn't really know I was a part yeah, of. Yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? Like that bounce network, it really did a lot. You know, Bobito loves to. Bobito never misses an opportunity to remind me. Yeah, he doesn't. That's my man. I love him. Uh, but it's true though. You know, like that connection with Bounce Magazine really kind of helped launch things for me. And so later on, it was Stanley Dumas who was then at Nike. Yeah, yeah, Nike at that point, yeah, yeah. Nike NYC. He started inviting me to do a lot more work with Nike NYC to cover the tournament champions. You know, mm-hmm. I was there uh, when Antoine, Antifreeze, Doby put up 44 points in back-to-back games mm-hmm. to take money train to the chip. Mm-hmm. They really lost to X-Men mm-hmm. uh, and Mike the Icon of Campbell. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, that was amazing. You know, and I was at the all the subsequent ones too when they did the, the Brooklyn Navy Yards and the whole facade was there. That was EYB. No, that was before the Before the EYB. This was the tournament champions, you know, when they bring the teams from Chicago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When they had a bingo had a team. Is that bingo was the goal, but it was like Team Nike, right? So they represented the city. So you had like a team representing New York. Remember, they used to have all the teams compete. So it would yeah. be like Gersh versus Hitler, you know, West Sun. Right. And they put together an all star team. Right. So I remember Rob had a team. Yeah, well, I think. Rob won like three tournaments that year. Yeah, yeah Rob, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, were, they were good, man. Um, but like, I think it was bingo and maybe Rob both coaching this team. It was like a representative team. And the uh-huh. same thing from Chicago. Uh-huh. The best players from Chicago, the best players from the Goodman League, the yep. UC, from, Yep, I remember that. Um, uh, what's the one? The one? Drew, 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 Drew Lee. Yeah, 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 Drew Lee. Yep. So they had all those guys like Marcus Williams came yep. out and he was playing for them. So it was a big deal. I remember really that. Nice. Um, and KD and at the time uh, James Harden was down with Nike back then, so they were there. But Fly Williams and P.B. Kirkland were in the team. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was a whole lot of buckets in the building. Uh-huh. 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 Uh-hu
And it's those kind of stories that you never they never get told. You right. To your point, you know, we right. used to play. We used to have crazy runs. And the Lower East Side is small, but yeah. like, we used to go on to have D and play those guys over there. We used to go up the hills and play mm-hmm. 24 and have these battles. We like so two, three o'clock in the morning playing basketball in the summertime. Uh-huh. Nobody, there was no cameras out there for any of this. You know, all these like great runs and even like. I say this, I'm definitely nowhere near an elite basketball player, never, right. never have been, but like even Jason Williams, who was the center for Norway, like he who took mm-hmm. this coach, right? There's good runs. Mm-hmm. We know the same thing is true in Hall and in the Bronx, right. like, all over the city, like, right. good basketball. So I think about these visions in my head, and now when I go, you know, going back to, you know, doing work with Nike NYC, that kind of slowly led to me doing three on three basketball for FIBA. Mm-hmm. Right now, man, Kevin Cooley out, mm-hmm. doing the park oh, right. and all that. And uh, Kevin knew the guys from FIBA for his work with them, and they were starting to try to pitch this idea to make 3 3 basketball an Olympic sport. Mm-hmm. And so they started, well, they, I don't know if they started in New York, but when it came to New York, that they had a 3 3 tournament at the same time as Hoop It Up mm-hmm. in the same city field parking lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was two separate events, but it just happened to be going on at the same time in the same space. Um, and it was, it didn't look promising. You mm-hmm. know, I felt like the talent for New York, because I, I knew all the ballplayers in right. like, none of them were out there. I mean, Speedy was there, but Speedy, Speedy by that point, he was already well past his prime. 45, probably. Yeah, yeah that's the one that took you so it was like, oh, 2010? Probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, from that, like, I, I, I thought it was kind of cool. I, knew, I noticed they were going to Miami, they were going to Puerto Rico. Yeah. So I was like, I want to shoot these things everywhere. Right. So I, I was kind of talking to the people who hired me, like, you know, let me know about this. And my schedule was totally clear. I had nothing to I'm do. Right. I was like, you know, let me let me yeah. know about this <laughs> schedule because uh, I, mean, I want to lock it. I want to lock it in for you before anything else comes up. <laughs> you look at it like that's nothing. Yeah, exactly. But but then you know it worked and they hired me and uh-huh. like that led to like basketball. You know, the game like it's a universal language, like yeah, I said. So. FIBA's headquarters is in Switzerland. Yep. Now, but these, these people are amazing. Like they, they speak like ten languages. It's unbelievable. Yep. I yep. love working with all of them. Such good people. So anyway, we were in Miami for the three on three championship at, for that year or mm-hmm. season or whatever. And uh, I offered to play two on two. I was with Kevin Kuliao from France, who also hoops. Mm-hmm. And we so we offered to play the communications people for FIBA two on two while we were out there. So we split the games one on one, one in one. And uh, I said, you know what? But they hoop, or they were just hoop? Nah, well, one of them was a former national team player for some time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but they didn't think, like, they didn't have New York guys. Right. Like, they all they didn't also hit them with a lot of dribble pulls. Right, right. 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 So, anyway, uh, I was like, you know what? We're going to have to do the championship and maybe in Rio for the Olympics or something uh-huh. like that. And everybody laughed and jokes, like, I, I see your strategy. You're speaking it into existence, you know? So, that was years before. Obviously, but then that led to me doing more work with FIBA, and then they really liked my work on the three on three circuit. So they asked if I wanted to shoot five on five basketball. I was like, duh, <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> so from there, you know, simultaneously, I'm doing all the Nike NYC stuff, mm-hmm. doing stuff with Magazine, and uh, I'm doing stuff with FIBA. So I'm traveling with FIBA, then I get the five on five opportunity. So now I go to the Basketball World Cup. Uh, or the FIBA Americas in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. I was in Venezuela for a month, documenting wow. that. And then from there, like, I bounced out to so many different countries all over the world. Um, helping out, I did the Basketball World Cup in 2014 or 15 mm-hmm. in Spain, which is awesome. Um, that was when Team USA won with Kyrie Irving. That was really cool. And it was cool because I, I was actually, I wasn't with Team USA, I was with Spain, the host mm-hmm. country. So all their games were crazy, like super loud. It was loud, it's loud. Amazing fans everywhere. Right. It was really, really incredible to kind of watch that journey. It was, it was set up so that Spain could meet the U.S. in the championship. Right. And that's just the way the format was, and I'm sure most people were expecting that. Right. But in one of the greatest basketball games I've ever seen, and I've seen some great ones in person. Mm-hmm. Um, France defeated Spain, and it was like just this brilliant. Oh, was Tony, right? Nicholas Platoon. No, Tony Parker wasn't well, there, yeah. actually. No, he was, I, don't, I think he was hurt that summer. He, he, he still was there. What was The Colo was on the team. I don't know if he played the one or not. I forget who the point guard. It wasn't Frank. Frank of the Kingdom was probably, you know. Yeah, he was like the yeah, third team. Right. Um, so I, I forget who their, who their point was. It might have been the Colo, but they had um, they had a squad. I mean, they had a good team. Right. It was Platoon, though. Platoon. Uh, he killed, I that. Killed. Kill. It was so it was so amazing to see basketball at that level 
and that's because like you expect to see a big upset in like March Madness right, or right, high school. Right. You don't necessarily expect to see a big upset on the world stage with everybody. You, know, you got good. what you got. Right. And Spain had their whole crew. Mark, Paul Powell. They had Mark Powell and Serge Ibaka. Yeah. Like the front court. It's <laughs> crazy. Maybe a Hall of Famer in there. Yeah. Wow, the Hall of Famer. Absolutely. Right, right. Absolutely. So uh, it, it was just an amazing game to be part of. But anyway, so that was a beautiful thing. I'm meeting these amazing people from around the world and speaking with different languages. And it's just a beautiful thing. And then finally, um, the director of communications comes to New York. We were hanging out, and he says, hey, "What do you think about uh, shooting the Olympics?" Mm-hmm. I was like, "But I guess that's been like my, my dream right. as well. Of course, I would love to do that." But so this was like maybe 2000, probably after the World Cup. Um, but I was like, "No, I'm not going to leave until I'm okay. actually there." Get that ticket. <laughs> and I went. You know, it was it was an amazing, amazing uh, milestone achievement for yeah. me to, to that, That's going to be like the pinnacle for. Uh, for every athlete, number one, and then particularly for somebody that's that's um, shooting, that's that's, that's got to be like a, one of the a, a benchmark for everyone to reach um, a goal. You know, I, I thought about it like you know uh, Jim Collins and Vince Grace says, you yep. know, make a big, hairy, audacious goal, right, yep. and just see what you can do. So when I started with photography, I thought like, man, I don't want to be just. I, I never wanted to be just an average basketball player. Right. I wanted to be the top. The top. You want to make it to the league. Exactly. Right. And so same thing with photography. I thought like, okay, I'm gonna to need to have some kind of barometer, so I need to like establish this big crazy goal. So I was like, I, I think I want to be the best basketball photographer in the world. Right. Now I still to this day I don't even know what that really means. Right, actually, right, right. It's something to work toward, right? So then I thought to myself, okay, well how would I define that? Well, how, what does that entail? And at first I thought, okay, well that person probably photographs the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Right? And I'm thinking about some of the other influences, you know, like the Nat Butlers and the Neil Lifers, yeah, right. you know what I mean? Like all these like legendary photographers who have shot these and they have these legendary images. You know, Nat Butler shot the John Starks dunk. Yeah, yeah, the majority. The baseline? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, anyway, I'm thinking about this all okay, the Olympics, I got no contacts to get me there. Uh, the NBA, got no contacts to get right. me there, but I'm try. NCAA had no contacts right. during the college games, you know. And at the time, New York, it was interesting. Like you know, our basketball, our college basketball scene hasn't been very strong. Right. Uh, for me. And I wouldn't even know how to reach out to any of them to be like, hey, I want to photograph this program. Um, and then the high school ranks, I was like, I don't even know really how to get into that. But I had playgrounds. So, so I started playing playground. I was like, for years, I'm going to these parks every single day, just working, 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 making. Millions of terrible photos right. until I finally figured it out. You know, the same way I did, like when I first started hooping, I was terrible. I was always picked last. Right, right. And we used to decide who the captain of my shooting free throws. Yep. So what I did was I was like, you know what? I'm going to be picked last. I'm going to be nice in my free throw game so I can be the captain. <laughs> You're on my team. <laughs> you, exactly. you, you, you might not pass to me, but I, I'll pick him as well. You know, so I used to literally, I was going to the park like four hours before everybody Word. came outside, just working my free throws. Like, I'm, I'm going to figure this thing out. <laughs> but always yeah, I've got double rims. That's just the hard exactly, thing to work on. Exactly. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. So you know you got to figure that out. But again, like all these values transcend the basketball court right. to everything else in my life. And so the same thing I thought was true with photography. So I'm more. And I think you know when you think about it, right? Like Gersh, Dykeman. Mm-hmm. What sport doesn't really play at night? You don't have any lights anyway. Um, watching beaches to play at night. You know what I'm saying? I guess Express now they play at night. Yeah. The lights are terrible. Right, right, right. It's, it's really terrible. So I figured, you know, man, if I can make a good image under these conditions, right. wait till I get to the league. With, with real lights. <laughs> with real you know, lights. Like, if I have right. a professional lighting setup, like, I'm going to be all right. Yeah, that's dope, man. I, 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 you made you had a phrase earlier. You went from the playgrounds. What was the phrase? Yeah, I, you know, on my Instagram, you know, people follow me on my bio. It says, you know, my jump shot didn't get me to the league. So my snapshot did. Right. Uh, and I went you know, straight from the playgrounds all the way to the Rio Olympics um, through my journey. You, you, you have to be based upon that phrase in of itself, um, one of the more popular street basketball and also moved up the ranks as far as because there's only you and Cassie yeah. Athena. That's all that I know from the basketball world that's on that level. Granted, a lot of people that's doing it on you know videography, doing great jobs. Mm-hmm. They're doing a lot of that stuff. But on that level, I only see, I'm not knocking anyone, yeah. it's YouTube. Um, how, does, how does that feel when you walk into a venue, a gym, whatever the case may be, and people in that world say, that's John <laughs> that's, that's our Gordon Parks right there. <laughs> <laughs> that is high praise, high, high 
praise. I, I do, you know, I get a lot of uh, questions, and I, I grew up in a youth program, and so like I know what it's like to have a mentor and to right. pass that down. So I've been, I've been raised, you know, to just pay everything forward. So I look forward to, you know, respond, response to all the questions that I get right. um, via DM or in person. It's a humbling feeling, to be honest, you know, because for a long time I was wondering, like, is this going to be viable? Can I support myself doing this? Right? Right. We haven't even talked about like the money side of all of this, right? This is an expensive. No, talk about it because a lot of people think they buy a camera without a photographer. You know, they're a photographer. It's same, same in the training world. We, you know, I got two basketballs in the, in the, in the, in the cord. Now I'm a, I'm a trainer now. You just look yourself in the mirror and say, I am a trainer. But in all actuality, there's a lot that goes into it. Speak yeah. about how expensive, time consuming, and how you want to get you know certain things done when you have to be a photographer. Yeah, so as I said, out of college, I worked at the Voice of New York, which right. is a beautiful organization, the most gratifying work I think I will ever do uh, in my life. And I still keep in touch with most of the young men who I got to meet, mm -hmm. and I had the privilege of meeting and working with while I was there. Um, so there's that, but my pockets were very slim. Right. <laughs> you know, and so to try to pick up on, on a career, right? Uh, to buy a two thousand dollar camera at that time was like, that's a, I need to save up. Right. So I did. I save up. I got my first camera. It was the Canon five D Mark II when that first came okay. out. Um, and I couldn't afford too many lenses. I had just a kit lens. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, I think that Nikon photo was taken with like a kit lens. Really. A lot of people think that like you need like all this super fancy equipment to try to make these like impactful images. And the right. truth is, you really don't. I mean, you can do it with anything. Right. Excuse me. It comes down to your own innovation and ideas and working with what you do have mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. um, of course, I did kind of elevate from there. So little by little, I started deciding, okay, well, I'm not going to purchase any other equipment until I'm, my equipment makes money for me. Right, right, I can't right. keep using all my savings right, 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 <laughs> right. to do this. So little by little, sure enough, I get a job here and there, a couple hundred dollars here, a couple hundred dollars there. And I still am by, nowhere, by no means am I self-sufficient or independent from right. a day job. I need to keep my day job. To Which was what? Just the boys club, yeah. right? And so from the boys club, I went to my alma mater at the boarding school I was at, and I worked there for a couple of years coaching teams on communications work. So I thought it would be a good marriage for me to kind of do communications, mm -hmm. to kind of marry my creative interests and storytelling interests. I went on professional work. Still wasn't a ton of money, I was working at school, the mm -hmm. money that was there, but also gratifying work. And I got to get some of the young men who played for me uh, at the Boys Club team when I was coaching that team. They got to get scholarships and you know, financial aid to go on to that school. So that was really cool. And again, mm -hmm. super gratifying work that I'll mm -hmm. never forget. Um, but anyway, so from there, I was there for two years and I started picking up some of my freelance opportunities. Right? Again, still, I wasn't 100% sure that it was like enough that right. I could like pay my bills on it. And mind you, like, I stayed over this and like, I'm living the opposite of a lavish life, right? Like, I'm eating a couple noodles for dinner, mm -hmm. I'm trying to have the cheapest apartment I can find, I'm trying mm -hmm. to keep all my expenses as low as possible because I know that I want to do this thing, but like, I'm like, I, I know I might not be getting a consistent check every two weeks. Right. So, to kind of offset that, I'm trying to make sure that my life is not expensive. Right. <laughs> right. I can afford it. So, while I'm at this uh, boarding school, I started getting more jobs and calls. So I'm like, okay, cool, I'm gonna take my vacation time, I'm gonna go do this job in mm -hmm. Florida, or this one in LA. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, I'm taking sick days and personal days, mm -hmm. and I'm like, yo, I need to, I, need to get I, I think it's about that time. Right. So my girlfriend at that time, and now my wife, uh, she actually, at the same time, she fell in love with education, and she got an opportunity to go to Columbia to get her master's. Okay. And so that was the perfect time for us to leave because she was going back to school and I was already getting over this work. I figured I would just take the plunge right then. Right. So I quit my day job for the first time in my life. Yeah, I quit a job without having a backup plan. It was Scared out of your mind. Yeah, terrified. Is this really going to work? Am I going to make enough money? I had saved some money. You know, I, mean? I wasn't going to like be homeless in a month or anything mm -hmm. like that. But, uh, you know, it was a huge risk. Huge risk. And everybody in my family is like, you know, you're about to get, you're about you need a job, what's wrong with you? Right. How are you? What happens if you get sick, if you right. break a leg, and you're playing basketball, you're gonna tear something, mm -hmm. what are you gonna do? I was like, ah, oh, of course, that's what I get to. Like, I really love this thing. You know, was, even when I was at the boys club, like, I'm coming home from work at seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. And I'm pulling all nighters, reading blogs, watching videos, yep. subscribing to magazines. Yep. I used to sneak in, there's a, the Photo Plus conference, which is an annual photography conference that happens in New York every fall. 
I used to sneak in there. <laughs> I used to wait till that security would look around. I'd go into like a seminar room. Really? Was that the Javits? Was that the Javits? There's a huge, so many people in this hall to keep track of everything. So right. I would like sneak into like the keynotes because it was it wasn't that expensive. I guess maybe probably like I don't know two hundred fifty dollars. But we got it. I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna learn but one way or another. Right. I'm gonna figure this stuff out. I'm gonna learn and I want to apply it. So going back to the communication piece. My biggest goal was to try to bring the professionalism of the likes of an NBA and international game to the playgrounds. Mm -hmm. I wanted, you know, I was working closely with Mousy for a couple of years at mm -hmm. Tri-State when mm -hmm. I was popping with, with the unlimited division. And I think, you know, that was like one of the most sought after tournaments to play in mm -hmm. during that time because every time we played, there was a write-up of Oshawa, was writing yep. article of Oshawa, had the photos in yep. there, we made videos. Yep. And no other tournament was doing that at that time to that level. Mm -hmm. So it, it was so much fun to be a part of. You know, and recently um, some of those guys were actually trying out to play because now three on three basketball is going to be an Olympic sport. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would say like seven guys who were playing in Tri-State were invited to the group of sixteen to compete for that final Team USA spot for the three on three. Okay. Uh, so it was really cool to kind of see some of those guys from you know. No, they're, they're maturing. Trying to get to the Olympics. Yeah. You've already, you're already there. <laughs> You've already been there, I should say. Um, I, I still can't get over That's like amazing. I mean, like, the biggest thing I can equate that to is I've been lucky enough to train in the Philippines. Mm. And we we had, um, we, I trained a national team for a little bit. And they competed at FIBA National Asian Olympics, whatever, whatever. I forgot what they called, right? Yeah. And we walk in. It's in the Philippines. I just did the Philippines team. So I'm like, you walk in like, Billion people here. You can see it segmented by countries, yeah. and it's so loud. Like those people were treated like gods wow. when they walked in the court. I'm sure it's the same thing in the Olympics. You see the TV, yeah. bang, 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 bang. It's like you, you had to be like, like, like I can't belong on your side. Yeah, every day, every day. You know, I'm the first person in my family to graduate from high school. The first person I was to graduate from college. None of these things were ever like expectations for me. My mom, all my mom cared about was that I graduated from high school. That was like a big lesson. That's it. She, she could die happy now. Like, everybody's good. I graduated from high school. Everybody's good. Like, that was a major achievement. And, you know, it's, it's been an amazing, it's a humbling journey. That's crazy. Did you, did you think that your storytelling would go through the lens? Nah, never did. Like I said, I was not traditionally trained. I took one very introductory film photography course. And... Later on, I kind of taught myself digital photography right. and storytelling and composition and you know all of those things to try to figure that out. And also like video editing and you know colors and cinematography. But I really fell in love with it. But you know, like I said, that work ethic. I just kind of shifted it over from caring about my step back and uh -huh. my materials uh -huh. and that to you know all the different ways I can kind of bring that professional level to the playgrounds. And now the latter part of my career has been bringing that to the grassroots level. Uh -huh. Which is a great because uh, you work with Nike and they do that um, the summit the summit stuff in, in uh, LA. What I'm saying the Academy, yeah. Nike, the Nike Academy, where you actually see some kids that are going to get their hands shaken by NBA scouts and, and, and people like that. How's that feeling? Like you see Bowl Bowl, right? I'm sorry, I'm just using another example. You yeah. see Bowl Bowl, you see um, all those big time players. How's that feel to like, wow, I shot him. Man, uh, I mean. It's interesting, like, I, I don't know, I, I'm not as in awe of that and what that means. Maybe time will kind of dictate mm -hmm. that in the mm -hmm. future. I think I'm just trying to document the history of this and just be like, play my role in, in the, this moment in time mm -hmm. uh, for the game. And it means something to all these kids, even, you know, from Ben Simmons and De'Aaron Fox right. and Lee Monk and Jason Tatum and those guys, which is amazing. But to me, you know, but at, at this specific moment, when they're in the EYB, these are just high school kids trying right. to fight, trying to fight. Yeah, scholars want to get a free education. Maybe, maybe they're the first generation of high school graduates in there. Right, right. You know, I don't know. They're, they're you. You know, yeah. Right. You know what I mean? And so, like, I'm just trying to like give them the exposure and and kind of bring that professional level of quality work mm -hmm. to them. You know, Nike does a great job of setting a very high standard of excellence, and it's an honor to be able to be there and be a part of that. You know, and hopefully that I'm, I'm maintaining that level or pushing that bar. Right. You know, at least I try to. No, actually, again, I, I know two. It's <laughs> you and Cassie, and primarily because everyone wears her shirts. And she does a great job of marketing on that side. Um, it, it's just you guys. And I think what what made me want to sit down with you is um, we have so many mutual friends. That's A. And B, nobody tells your story. 
that you're rarely in front of the camera. I'm, I'm sure that people will say, what does John Lopez even look like? <laughs> like we see his, his photos, but what does he look like? And little do they know that you're from Lower East Side, you're Hispanic, you played basketball, you played the same leagues that everyone else that grew up in that ever played it, post, or excuse me, pre gentrification yeah. in the Lower East Side, and you're a regular dude. You just have a special talent. <laughs> and I think that's the biggest thing that we forget, like we get put up on these pedestals that we don't even do put ourselves on. People just think that we're different, like we're, we're regular. Yeah. I saw Roy Lively on your show talking yeah. about that. You know, I got I got the great opportunity. There, there were so many blessings uh, in my life and it's like I pre-visualized all of these things. It didn't come to me in, in the form of a camera, but right. I was pre-visualizing, right? I was pre-visualizing Patrick Ewan drawing double, kicking out the middle corner, his lobby. Getting that championship, you know what I'm saying? Getting rings with the Knicks. That's be so bad in now. But uh, you know, but seeing, you know, listening to Roy talk about his experience, uh, it was amazing. He was saying how, you know, he was a raw great defender and that's what it was. You know, yep. and he just worked hard and found his niche. And I think that's kind of what I did. I found my niche in grassroots and played around basketball and I was never gonna be how worked. Right. In a sense, you know, and, um, Malcolm Gladwell says, you know, you need 10,000 hours to be truly great at anything. Right. I got at least 10,000 hours on playing around for the And now I probably have that in the professional ranks as well. Who, who, would, you, who would you say, and I don't know that, what is the best shot, excluding the Dyker shot, the best shot that you've taken? And this is not to discredit any other, other of your other shots, but which one stand your standouts? Man, that's a tough one, Mark. Yeah. I love, first of all, uh, <laughs> I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit. You know what I'm saying? I love all of my work. Um, I think recently uh, I was in China for the Basketball World Cup uh -huh. and uh, Argentina was kind of this, they had this unlikely underdog story. Uh -huh. No one, I think, picked them. I mean, they played well, but everyone thought that you know, it was going to be the US to dominate, maybe Australia. Mm -hmm. um, and I think Spain was supposed to also be down. Uh, that, that year, but anyway, Argentina kind of took the tournament by storm. Mm -hmm. uh, Greece was huge because mm -hmm. we had Giannis, Giannis and right, right. you know what I mean, and they ended up struggling ultimately. But anyway, Argentina has this huge win, uh, and you know the late great Kobe Bryant was sitting just a few seats beside me, um, and I was able to to hear his commentary on the game. And he was so into it; it was really amazing um, to have that seat. I think it's the best seat in the house, but. Argentina had this really unlikely win over, I forget who, I don't want to get the wrong team in, but they had this, they had this win that no one expected them to get. Mm -hmm. And Luis Scola, who was the elder statesman yeah, of the whole tournament, okay. he's still playing. Right, like, um, right, right, and he's right. going hard though. Like he looked like a gazella. Uh -huh. He's spraying out like, like, like a, just a happy 17-year-old. Uh -huh. So anyway, the game is over. He sprints towards where I am on the corner of one of the baselines. He sprints over there towards where the fans are, and he's just waiting there. And I thought that's interesting. Everybody was focused on all the uh, attention I was having on the court. Mm -hmm. so people were greeting Kobe and everything, which was mm -hmm. shots. Uh, but I was wondering why he was waiting there. Um, and then, sure enough, his uh, his wife and children came down uh, in the stands, and he gives his wife a hug and a kiss. And his sons are like holding, uh, hanging from him. Like, all these fans are all around, uh -huh. and I captured that moment. Is such a beautiful, powerful thing. Like this is a guy who he might not be, you know, he might not be playing professionally right. the next time this opportunity comes up. You know what I mean? Yeah, he might. He yeah, says he, he will. He's just rushing it all. Yeah, it all just taking it all in. And you can really see like the the purity of the game uh, in that in that photo. What it means to him and his family, and how supportive they must be for this guy to be from Argentina to compete in the NBA for so many years to play for the national team and to just give his all uh, to the game. That was a really really beautiful. Another would be perhaps any of my photos of the Olympics. Right. right. Um, it was such a dream of mine. As a kid, I aspired to earn a gold medal with Team USA uh, <laughs> or Team Puerto Rico right. in, uh, at the Olympics. And, you know, to be there was amazing. I got this one photo of uh, Carmelo, which, you know, it's kind of cool because he and I are the same age, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And he, uh, before the game, he has this little warm routine where he just kind of grabs the ball and he's just yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I got this photo of him hugging the ball that kind of went viral on other people's uh, social channels. Uh -huh. uh, but it was really cool to be able to kind of capture that moment 
That's dope, man. I, I remember this little school when I, I was like, because he did all of that talk, he did all of that, you know, parades and all that stuff. He, it's, it's coming to an end. Yeah. That's basically what he's saying, like, it's coming to an end, and I love my family because they were here for me. I love my country. Yeah. That's so powerful. Yeah, that's, that's crazy powerful. I ain't going Quick, we're going to do something quick. Um, best place to film? We're going to do streets. Yeah, streets. Well, I was going to go streets anyway. Okay. Gersh. Uh, Gersh. Great environment. Amazing environment. I love her. Gersh, I think, right now is a raw representation of what playground basketball is. Yeah, they, they're, they're, they're doing a great they're job. Yeah. They're doing, they have the like, lounge chairs in the front. Yeah. It's like old from EBC back in the day. Yes. Um, uh, who would you like to shoot at some point? Who's on your bucket list? Obviously, somebody who's living. Right. Um, sheesh. <laughs> That's a tough one. I feel like I want to maybe switch over, do more women's sports. Mm -hmm. um, I know you do, I've been doing some women's uh, sports. I, I shot the women's national teams at the Olympics, which is cool. Mm -hmm. um, I did some stuff, do some of that stuff with uh, FIBA now. Um, but Team USA is women. I would love to photograph them some more. I hope I get an opportunity uh, in Tokyo. I thought you were going to say soccer. But the soccer is huge. And very difficult, yes. <laughs> <laughs> very difficult. If I, if I left basketball, I would definitely love to be in the soccer. Especially oh, in a different country. Like oh, not here. oh. Yeah. especially you have the FIBA club, club. Although I grant it, it's a basketball yeah. club, but the soccer club must be different. But yeah. that, 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 that environment must be, I know. over there must be crazy. So crazy. I, I can only imagine. You feel it through the TV. Yeah. It's like, oh my God. Um, uh, which country would you like to have gone to or go to at some point in the film? Australia. It looks beautiful, right? Yeah, gorgeous. And New Zealand, you know, I love to be over there in Australia. Yeah, Australia, New Zealand, like that whole area, Oceania. Uh -huh. I want to get over there. Uh, I've been fortunate to be in China and Europe and um, up and down the Americas. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And obviously, Africa. You know, Africa now we have the new. Uh, the league, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love the guys in Africa. Yeah. Uh, to several of the different countries there. Yeah. To shoot them. Africa and uh, Oceania are the last two continents that I haven't been to. So. Wow. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and you just started from LAS. That's right. What's up? Uh, what's next? Whew. Man, next uh, I continue to try to reinvent the uh, EYBL. Mm -hmm. Reinvent myself and what I'm able to bring to the table for now. Now you just do the boys? I'm working on trying to do more with the girls. I did some work with the girls last year. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do more of that this year as well. Um, just covering the landscape again, just doing more grassroots stuff. Mm -hmm. Same thing, I want to bring that professional level down to the grassroots mm -hmm. um, and hopefully inspire other young people to, to learn. Yeah, I see so many young people, especially like in the parks now. Um, I said when I started wearing many cameras, now there's plenty of them. Right. I see so many young people picking up cameras and coming to the parks. Uh, it reminds me of myself right. that year and a half ago. Um, and I want to help them. Right? Do they reach out to you? Some Really? Some do, and I definitely always answer, as I said, I'm always trying to uplift and empower them. Because a New York Pride wouldn't let most people reach <laughs> out that for help. Yeah, I, I feel like maybe, maybe there are some who want to and they just think that, you know, they assume I, I don't have time to respond or something like that. Um, I, try, I try to be like, cause like I said, I didn't have that right. when I was coming up and I really wish I had somebody who could specifically be like, yo, this is how I did my settings, this is how you can do this. Right. Um, but you know, you know how it is, there's no shortcuts to success. You yeah. know what I mean? Like the, yeah, the, right. the best way to get there is, is to just do it. Right. And you gotta get up there and do it. One thing I like to let the younger players, players, let the younger photographers and also trainers know is that the grind is important, but like you mentioned earlier, your network becomes your network. And I know I spoke about it with my phone, that knowing you have pretty much a lot of people, knowing a lot of people, and you working on the balance and that led to this and led to that. It's sometimes sadly, it's not what you know. But it's who you know. Yeah, you know, it was interesting, man. I just, um, I was very fortunate. Again, I had all these different opportunities, you know. Um, last season, I was uh, fortunate to be able to document the Knicks, mm -hmm. right, which is where I worked with Royal pretty mm -hmm. uh, frequently. And um, also shot my first cover for Slam Magazine at the end of last year, which is also just before I went to China for mm -hmm. my second FIBA World Cup. Uh, another one of these things was I delivered a keynote talk at my alma mater at Colgate University um, to talk to sophomores and alumni about careers and creative fields. And 
one of the things I wanted to convey was like so many people when you go to these like prestigious universities mm-hmm. and like everybody tells you how good you are, how important network is, and it's true, network mm-hmm. is super important, no question about it. But a lot of times, like, excuse me, I feel like people forget the basic steps. You know, mm-hmm. a young person called me up recently and they asked me, you know, about careers in sports and how do I get involved and this and that, and do you have somebody you can put me in touch with and mm-hmm. this and that. And I'm like, yeah, actually, I, I know everybody. Mm-hmm. But nobody's giving out jobs. Nobody's just gonna right. say, hey man, I got a, I got a right. six figure salary. Wait, I was waiting for you to call. That's not a fact. Like, so long. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that's not the way it works. Right. And that's what I've learned, you know. And, and I'm not discrediting the importance of the, your network. Your network is immensely important. But you're part of their network, so you help them understand what is really needed for them to understand how to get to the next level. I think the important piece is character. Right? I think that's the part that people skip out on. It's like when people say like it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right. And there's truth in that. But I think and, and it's, like I said, some people start at the top. Some people get to make the million dollar mistakes right. the right. greatest. Right. You know what I mean? Um, some of us don't get that opportunity. But regardless of that, what are you doing to put yourself in this situation? Right. And what's your character like? Right. I tell you know when I spoke at um, my message was like treat everybody like you're gonna see them again. Right. You know what I mean? Like. We, we, we met all at Harlem Children's yep, yep, right? And yep. we've been in the same circles forever. For years. You know what I mean? We only met just a few years ago right. at Harlem Children's And it's like, you could have easily brushed me off or, or vice versa. Right, or just right. go talk to each other. But like, nah, like treat everybody like you're going to see them. Right. Again, you know, like, it, doesn't, it doesn't cost you anything to right. be kind. Right. You know, and you never know how that, how that might come into play later. That's true. Because if you were a dickhead to Bobby O back in the days, just whooping, Exactly. Now it doesn't lead to balance, it doesn't lead to this, or whatever the case may be. And me, same thing, working out with Ben Gordon, doesn't lead to this, doesn't lead to that. You just never know. Treat everyone. Exactly. You know, as a phrase, treat everyone like the custodian or something along those lines? Yeah, I, I definitely, that's, I, I treat the custodian the same with the yeah. same as I treat the CEO. Right, that's, that's, a, that's true shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so important. I think you don't have a network if you can't do that. Right. And also, like, so many people, like, they know you have all these contacts, so they only want to be. Great, yeah.